Hello and welcome to the Foolish Kids. I am one of your hosts, Terrence Wiggins, joined by your other host, Terrence Wiggins. Wrong one. Try again. Brock Wilbur. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Um, <laughs> this is going to be. I, I feel like this is an ongoing trend of uh, just you and me episodes of me introducing you to something you've never heard before. Oh, um, my God, but thank God for this one. This is so uh, good. <laughs> the rest of them have been bullshit. This one is nice. <laughs> um, I told Brock to listen to Manchester Orchestra's uh, uh, Like a Virgin Losing a Child, um, which came out in 2007, uh, and it was the first six? major release. Was it six or seven? Uh, I think I looked it up the other day, and it was... Hmm. 2007. Uh, let's see. Like a virgin losing a child. <laughs> you you really have to do the full title because otherwise you're going to wind up with something else. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I'm like a virgin losing a child was... Oh, it was October 2006. I, I, I do feel like it, it, it is kind of important in that way that I was like, if this was a 2007 album, I might not like it. This 06 album fits perfectly into like our <laughs> our sweet stuff. I like like anything before New Year's Eve 2006, uh-huh. uh, but anything after like New Year's Eve 2002, uh-huh. it's kind of this spot where like there's nothing I don't like apparently. <laughs> uh, it says one of the songs. It, it says one of the songs was featured on um, NHL 08, which uh, no this. None of this album should be on any sports, uh, on any sports soundtrack. That's the thing um, I think we have to make like peace with at some point is that EA for a long time was putting songs on here that just shouldn't have ever been on here. Yeah. But like, like without them, I don't know any of the bands that were featured on Tony Hawk. Like they right. actually, they actually taught me punk music. Right. So I, I, like I can't a- be mad at them. There was there was uh, something off uh, the Dolan God or Rage Inside Me on uh, on um, one of the Burnout games, and like when I was younger, I was like, yeah, cool. But now I'm just like, that's weird. Like that's a that's a depressing thing to put it in your uh, put it in your game about like crashing cars. But now we're at the point where like uh, Volkswagen is using the unicorns in ads. Yeah, which blows my mind. But also like uh, Kmart has an ad. Uh, a whole campaign now based around the the Justice song Dance. I don't know the song. Uh, I've probably heard the song, but I couldn't. you've you've probably heard it. But it's it's like a, if Daft Punk was like, you know what, we should uh, be featured in it's Ralph Lauren, uh, and <laughs> we'll change the lyrics to spell out Ralph Lauren, and you're like, everything here is weird weird to me. The Unicorns is vastly more weird to me because right. obviously dance music is. Who gives a shit? Like, it's right. samples of something anyway. You can change it in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Unicorns, one, haven't been around for, what, close to 20 years now? It, exactly. Uh, it's a little like when uh, Human Giant went with uh, the Def, Death from Above's song right. as their theme song. But, but that made sense because it was punk comedy on a network it shouldn't have been on doing something against the grain. And also, there's probably nothing more MTV2 than Death from Above. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's certainly. So this is this is that. so great for me because you, uh, so many of the bands that you've introduced me to on this uh, on this show have been these bands that like, hey, they have like one album, and like uh, <laughs> you can like it and appreciate it. And what I got to do because we agreed on this a couple of days ago was I got to listen to 
a lot of albums from this band, but mm-hmm. you picked the album that is so clearly just in my fucking my if I was a if I was a boss character and there was a glowing part of me, this mm-hmm. one hits that on every level. It feels <laughs> like an ugly organ companion piece for cursive, but like a band that cares more about having like trill breakdowns. Like it feels like uh, it feels like all the same like themes and stuff that I always get excited about about pain and artistic sentiment and stuff and then every once in a while they're like what if there were just then uh, 16 measures here with this just like really rock and riff and then right. right back into the song and wh- where are they from uh i hold on i'm on there i want to say they're from the, Mid- the midwest or something like that oh no they're from georgia actually <laughs> okay that, that, that makes sense for me because i was like this sounds like everything i love from Omaha-based bands, but definitely mm-hmm. from a different part of the country, and I was going to go Massachusetts, but yeah, uh, but the, yeah if say, this is Georgia, this totally makes sense in that way. Well, I was going to say, it, it has that same sort of, like, New Jersey band uh, flavor to it, New York, New Jersey band flavor to it, but um, it was different. Like, I was, uh, I listened to this album, I've listened to this album a whole lot, I haven't listened to it in a while, but um, listening to it the other day, or yesterday... Uh, it made me think of like, what if what if Stray Light Run was darker? Like, <laughs> that's like, totally uh, fair. It because it has this very, I don't know, like musically, it I feel like it shares a lot with, uh, like you said, cursive. Yeah. Or like, I mean, well, the it, it, do, are, it doesn't. It feels like it, it feels like the Jimmy World version of the darker shit that I like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, like these are these are these are boppy fun pop melodies and Straylight Run But Darker is is the best version of this, including when like the first track on this has like a bit of a boppy keyboard line that right. like my, my first comparison uh, became like in my head it became Motion City soundtracks don't call it a comeback. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh oh here's here's something in that vein that's doing that thing and I know it doesn't uh, translate throughout uh, and Boy, Christ, does this get uh, sad quickly? <laughs> uh, and in yeah, fact, like, like I, I don't know if you've ever spent time with them, but Abandoned Pools, do you know them? No. Abandoned Pools did the theme song for the show Clone High. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's a guy who was, I think, the keyboard player in the Eels. Uh, so uh-huh. it was his side project. But that's a band that, like, they had like two, three albums, and I, it, they're they're that band that, like, I had their CD in my car at a time when I couldn't afford any other CDs so there's like two years of my life that mm-hmm. just like physically go back into hearing it and it sounds a lot like uh, some of the sadder songs on this album where it's uh, the drummer is basically playing like a drum loop but it's not a drum loop uh, it's just him doing something very like minimal and mm-hmm. there's this sort of whiny thing over the top but over that and over the guitars are some like strings and there's something here that's like this is so beautiful like uh, these are songs that sound like they should be played within like a snow globe mm-hmm. uh, but they still rock in a way and you're right. like how do you a, a, how do you achieve that effect <laughs> yeah I was uh, let's say this album like you can picture it the, al- the whole album is almost like a concept album but with no concept <laughs> oh my uh, god that's brutal like, well it, it just has this very just like it feels like it's telling a story but the story is just like hey what if a bunch of sad stuff was around uh, this like, is this is our JRPG. <laughs> I was gonna say it feels like a it feels like a like a uh, shit. Who's the guy that directed um, 
Greenberg and um, oh yeah yeah uh, Bombach. Yes, this feels like a Noah Bombach movie. Um, <laughs> What's the undertale of rock music? <laughs> uh, I might be able to answer that question somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? This album does feature Ben Stiller. <laughs> <laughs> If if Ben Stiller was just walking and this album played behind it, all, all of it would uh, align perfectly. It's fine. Yeah, I'm mad at that movie. Which one? Greenberg. Like I don't know. It just the way that movie ends is just him. Like he doesn't learn anything from anything that happened, and he just goes back to his life being a douchebag. <laughs> and I was just like, you. I can't remember the girl in that film now. I can picture her face, but anyway, it doesn't matter. This 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 oh, album is like a Noah, female. <laughs> uh, uh, this album is like a uh, it's like a Noah Baumbach movie, except for it's an album and not a movie. It also um, has that weird thing of like a oh Greta Gerwig. Yes, Gerwig. I was gonna say you mentioned her on Twitter earlier, and I was just like, oh, it all brings it back together. Always got to talk about that girl wig. There is... Uh, <laughs> Actually, yeah, the podcast, always got to talk about that girl wig. <laughs> you know what? Viv would be down for that. Viv would be down for that more so than the podcast we actually make. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember do you remember this movie that came out, I don't know, it's probably 15 years ago. Uh, it was a documentary about a guy trying to get a date with uh, Drew Barrymore. Yes, I remember that piece of shit. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that. And I was just like, I don't know what made me think about it, but I was just like, that, who let that movie happen? Um, but that would be your podcast, except for not creepy. You know, I I thought I I don't know if you've uh, seen Ingrid Goes West. No, is that the one with what's her face? Yes, it is that one. Um, and, I th- and I thought it was shot in the same style. I thought it was actually just her trying to hang out. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and like, it's a, it's a fucking heartbreakingly good movie, including the fact that all the characters in it rotate between three locations, and me and Viv have lived in all three of those locations, including the desert location. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just like, oh, were we these people? <laughs> like... Every every scene seems to be shot from within the house that we lived in at some point. <laughs> I was like, hey, why did no one try to all about Eve us? Like, <laughs> I, I think I'm worthy of that. No, this is uh, the, uh, this is this this weird thing that happens. I I don't know why with emo bands. Probably because a lot of emo bands include like a, a location in their name. But like, I always thought that this band was actually from Manchester. In the same way <laughs> that there is a part of me that still thinks that Jets from Brazil. That's from Brazil. Are from Brazil. Like, I know I'm wrong. I've never been right on that. But in my head, I mean, I'm like, well, I haven't spent a, time with them. They could be. There's a part of me that knows that Bell and Sebastian is like six people, and it's named after a uh, cartoon called Bell and Sebastian. But <laughs> in my head, it's just two people named Bell and Sebastian. Like, And every time I see a picture of all of them, I'm just like, no, Which that's one's right. Bell? <laughs> we we went to this. see them at the Hollywood Bowl right before we left LA and Spoon opened for them uh-huh. and as soon as Spoon got done everyone fucking left because everyone in LA was just there to see Spoon uh, and then Bell and Sebastian came out and like if you're following up Spoon and you're Bell and Sebastian all of your songs are no matter what you do at the soundboard one half as loud as what Spoon was doing <laughs> uh, and so they were doing songs like three of us are on flutes now and between songs, the banter became very sad, where he's like, 
you know, we can all start dancing whatever you want. I think maybe in two or three songs, some of you should start dancing. And people are like, oh. no one here is fucking dancing. And then in, in perhaps, like, the, we, we went to a couple of shows at the Hollywood Bowl right before I left town. One of them uh, was to see A Perfect Circle. Uh, and directly after them playing their cover of John Lynn's Imagine, uh, James Maynard Keenan, who doesn't do banter in Tool, which makes me happy, uh, mm-hmm. who does banter in A Perfect Circle where he thinks he's Tim and Eric, uh, just launched Ew. into the launched into this fucking tirade about how you know we could prevent Trump if we all started just having anal sex. And Viv looked over at me and goes, "I'm done. I'm done <laughs> with this." And I was like, "You know what? I actually am too. That's maybe that's maybe the end of this thing." Uh, so I was like, "That's maybe the worst banter I'll see here." Uh, but instead, at Bell and Sebastian, when they realized that no one was going to start dancing. Uh, the main guy started telling a story about having gotten to the venue earlier that day and then hiring a lift to take him to Subway because it was the only place he could eat within three miles of the venue and what he was talking to his, like, lift driver about. And I just kept looking around, like, shaking my head and putting arms in the air. I was like, does everyone else just agree this is this is the most Bell and Sebastian thing that could happen? Like, let's stop the concert for a second. I'm Scottish. I have a story about a lift and subway. Everyone try to get on the page here. With me. Uh, like, I know Bell and Sebastian's like super popular or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like I'm I'm slightly too young for Bell and Sebastian. Exactly. Because I mean, because like it's semi prominent in uh, in high fidelity, and I'm I know I'm too young for that movie. Um, no, you're not. Come but, on. Uh, what? How? When did High Fidelity come out? Nineteen ninety nine. I was twelve years old. No, you're not. Stop it. <laughs> stop, stop it. <laughs> it came out in two thousand. I was thirteen. Um, but uh, like, why would Bell and Sebastian? Like, how, the Hollywood Bowl does not seem like a Bell and Sebastian place. Like. So I, I feel like one of my best parts of my last year in LA here was that like I, I got to see a lot of bands play the Hollywood Bowl that should not have been here or it was their first time sort of cracking it. So something like uh, Bell and Sebastian with Spoon, like that was the sort of thing that like we put two things together, just like Erica Badu with St. Vincent opening and we know we can sell enough tickets uh, to make the thing work. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, a few months earlier for a birthday present, Viv got me tickets to see Block Party there, and it was by maybe double the largest venue they've ever played. Uh-huh. And they did, like, a three-hour show, because they're like, we're just going to keep playing until police take us off stage, because <laughs> our, our parents flew here from the UK to <laughs> to watch this. Like, this is our, our big thing. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I've also seen, like, uh, some of my worst shows there, and including... Uh, so I don't know if you know this about Beck, but his dad was the conductor and still is the conductor of the Hollywood Orchestra. I did not know that. Uh, so like when he grew up, like he likes to make a big thing about like his how his growing up was like bumming around, like taking like leaf blower jobs all over the world and stuff mm-hmm. and just like doing this stuff. But also it's like, well, also all the biggest musicians in the world came over to your house and did heroin in front of you from the time you were eight years old. You're like, hey, it's me and Miles Davis and stuff. Like you had some some line-ins. So uh, Beck did a performance there. He, I've seen a couple of him at the Hollywood Bowl. One, which is my favorite of all time, which is where they had some... Uh, uh, what are the things that are bigger than puppets? Muppets. 
No, the the the, the ones that they're, they're still on strings, but they're they're bigger than what puppets uh, are. Like marionettes or marionettes. So they had a, a group of like the world class marionette dudes uh, on the side of the stage, uh, who the entire show did marionette versions of whatever the band was doing, complete with costume changes and stuff. So the camera would like cut to the marionettes. Uh-huh. And I was like, I like seeing the marionettes rock harder, but. The next show I saw was uh, Beck with the Hollywood Orchestra with his dad conducting. Uh-huh. And I've, I've never seen somebody like, I do not know if it was drug related or if it was deliberate, forget all of his own lyrics all night long, which I felt like was the weirdest fuck you dad I've ever seen. It was the worst <laughs> concert I've ever seen and the most I'd ever paid for a ticket to the Hollywood Bowl. I was like, Beck is my hero. Beck is the reason I'm into music. And he was up there and like, I'm a, I'm a user, baby. I don't know whatever uh, while this full orchestra was behind him i was just like you're just so mad at your dad right now <laughs> like i i can't believe that that's happening but when we saw bell and sebastian it was the night that uh chris pratt and his wife had broken up uh-huh uh, and they have a song called perfect couples and they dedicated that song to chris pratt and his wife uh and it it will forever be this weird thing of like oh i think that this is what it means when musicians are on Twitter now, they're like, we were backstage. Something just broke, and we will tie the song into what it is. And by this time, like, it's a third of the Hollywood Bowl left, and I was just, like, laughing my head off. of like, this is so weird. What a weird thing. To, yeah, what a weird thing to tie this in. Like, it's political in some way. Yeah. Uh, it's weird that the whole thing is weird. Um but anyway, like Viv, Viv's their Viv's their biggest fan like Viv it was one of those like I've dragged her to see so many bands that like mm-hmm. I've dragged her to see Death From Above open for Deftones open for Incubus and she was like why did you not look at the her? ticket <laughs> why did you drag me to an Incubus concert in San Diego and I'm like I'm wrong I'm a bad oh boy. what oh good lord why yeah. did you do that to her I don't pay attention to details Terrence and my didn't. wife is aware <laughs> like like, you do not take anybody to a Incubus show at a beach town. What is wrong with you? <laughs> this I actually feel like you're mad at me. <laughs> this now, has nothing I just, to do with like, our text messages. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. Uh, I, like... I don't hate Incubus. Like, I, like those, the first two, like, major albums they had, I still think are listenable. Like, they're they're fun to sing along with. Which, which two um, are you counting in that? Uh, uh... What is it? Drive, yeah, it's not it's not called Drive, but yeah, that one and Morning. Oh, cool. Okay, Morning, whatever. I don't really care for Crow Left of the Murder or anything after that. Um, oh, the, the the Murder of Crows. <laughs> it's called. I remember it's called a Crow Left of the Murder because I was working at the radio station at the time and they played like three songs off that album constantly. That that um, was what I was going to say. I know just enough about you to know the year that you were at this radio station. And the songs that are now burned into you because of it. <laughs> it's like that, I have that one Incubus anti-Bush song. <laughs> it, yes, uh, it's um, it's that uh, that song. What's that song called? You're no Jesus or something like that. Yes. Or, uh, oh my God! I can't believe you remember that. That's so yeah. sad. I didn't even remember it until you said anti-Bush, and I was just like, "Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about." Um, it was that. It was Soul Meets Body by uh, Death Cab, which what, which is another reason like I don't really care for anything after Transatlanticism. I, f- I, f- I feel um, like that tidbit comes up every third podcast we record. Probably. 
Look, it drives me Death crazy. Death Cab was with me at this radio station. Here was the song. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was just like, and, and they would play like older songs. Like it was like the same Pearl Jam song, the same Nirvana song, like over and over again. Right. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, this album, the album that we're talking about for this episode. This is a tight uh, album. It's really good, and I was kind of surprised. Uh, like I like I said, I've listened to this album numerous times, but I'm always surprised when it ends because it doesn't feel long enough. I guess, like uh, like when it gets to the end of Collie Strings, I was just like, oh, there's another song after this. I was just like, nope, we're done. But the album's 43 minutes long, so I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I I had the same feeling for the listening to it for the first time. Yeah, uh, but like, there's no reason it should because most albums are 45 minutes long. Like, right. it's weird. But like, our our expectation, like, s- music can set up an expectation for you. And like you established earlier, which is one of my favorite things we've ever said about something on the show. This is a concept album without a concept, and it feels like there's a narrative arc here. Uh, and if anything, it feels like it it just cuts off out of nowhere. Right. And you're like, no, there there's a third act. Where is that third act? Right. Yeah. Like. uh uh, like you said, this album gets sad real quick. Like you, the first three tracks on this album are just like we can play this on the radio, right? Yeah. And then you get to track four, and you're just like, oh, this is like somebody just dragged you through the mud, like from the last song. Because don't, like, let, don't let them see you cry is a Ben's era Radiohead <laughs> song. It has five words. It, it lasts forever, and I don't like being here, but I know it's good. Right. Like, it's just, where does that come from in this, in this album? It feels like, uh, it feels very much like the first Sparta album, where you've got, like, here's a couple of quick bangers, and then here's just some, like, we're going to make our guitars sound like cellos. Right. Uh, and he's going to say some sad words about homelessness over the top, and you're like, I, I'm here for it. I, where did the rock element of it go? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, well, you bring up, uh, Sparta and, like, Jim Ward, like, it, very, it feels very much like they were just like, hey, guys, just for one, one or two songs, I'm gonna put my side project in here, because, yeah. like, Jim Ward has his side project, he had, like, um, that, that EP, he had yeah. his solo album, and then, uh, Andy Hall from, uh, Manchester Orchestra, he has Runaway Great Captain, and he's done, like, some solo, uh, acoustic stuff, and, like, if you want to get real sad, you should listen to Right Away Great Captain because it's about a... It's like the entire band is a concept. So each album is a different story from this like this sailor's life. And like the first album is about, like I think, going out to sea. And the second album is coming back home and finding out that his wife cheated on him. And he is... like The whole album is about him being drunk, basically. It's a whole thing. And like it's not something to listen to if you're sad because... It's not gonna help you in any way. <laughs> also, there's there's something here that that we don't. Sometimes we get into this on the show. the The person that produced this and the person that produced this album is Dan Hannon. And Dan Hannon, like for a lot of these bands, we talk about like he, it's the same producer that produced like eighteen other emo albums in this time, and then like mm-hmm. a rap album, and it's sort of weird. So Dan Hannon basically did this band and a Rocket to the Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the shadow boxers, uh, but like the, everything else, this guy's ever done has been Christian rock. He has won uh, six Dove awards. Oh, which are the the Christian Grammys? Yeah, 
and 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 actually, his first recording, uh, uh, we we actually we lost our episode about our Christmas emo stuff. Sorry, Zach. Uh, there was a technical issue, but his first uh, his first like credit as a producer is for a radio single recording of Okama Manuel. Uh, done by a rock band and it's just like you know what I got into music for just to make the fucking hymns wail like that's my thing I just I want to get and he's produced on on the wow essentials albums which are the now records for like Christian pop music like oh in fact his most recent stuff is also like a uh, he produced uh, a rocket to the moon covering Santa Claus is coming to town like this is a guy that just makes Christmas music and then a couple of these albums for Manchester. <laughs> it's, that's like, does he know? Does he know them? Like, because that's a, that's a really weird thing. Look, I grew up going his... to church with these guys, yeah. and I was like, you know what? I can mic a cymbal. <laughs> right. Like, I was like, he had to. Like, it's obvious that Andy Hall, like, listening to any of the lyrics, it's like, oh, Andy Hall grew up in a church. Like, most definitely. Um,. Also, the fact that his letter is is, his name is like a letter off from Dan Harmon. It's like, hey, what if Dan Harmon never drank? Oh, he's Dan (laughs) Hannon, the Christian rock producer. (laughs) This this ties into a thing that I think we'll have to get to at some point, which is like, how many emo emo bands and the people behind them also cross over into like Christian music? Because that line is super thin. Because if you're going to talk about emotions, especially in the late '90s and be honest about who you are and what you believe, that's that's a stone's throw away from being like, hey, have you read the good book? <laughs> like, like, there is something here, and, like, th- this, is, this is not in any way the first time that we've found out that, like, a band that we're listening to has a Christian bent or has people behind the scenes that are very Christian, and it, it's, it's not in, like, an exploitative or bad way, it's right. just like there is something that speaks to people about emo that is the same way it speaks to people about Christian rock, uh, and that's that's something that's that's complicated and weird, and we'll have to talk about it at some point. Right, right. Um, yeah, this. Uh, what I was talking about, like I don't know, it, this falls into the same uh, the same sort of not Christian music that, like, I don't know, so, some of Thrice falls into, some of the Julian Theory falls into, uh, some of Brand New falls into, some of Stray Light Run, like, like, runs into. It's just like this, like, oh, no, these guys definitely grew up in a church, and, like, the, you can definitely tell in the lyrics. Like, he, he has a, there's a song, the fifth song on here, called Where Have You Been?, which is literally asking God, like, "Hey, come on now! Like, wh- what's good? Like, where have you been? Like, I've been here, and everything's terrible." So I get to finally do the thing that I was going to keep inside. Uh, <laughs> this 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 week, Bono came out, and he had this interview <laughs> where he said that like the real shame of music right now is that it's become too girly, and we need music because it needs to be an outlet for dudes to get their anger out which it's there's so many fucking ways to dunk on him here 
that it, it's impossible to decide where to start. First of all, like, do, white dudes have Reddit. What the fuck is your problem? Uh, and and then, like, as a longtime YouTube fan that feels conflicted about so much of that, like, I, I, I got angry first about, like, what actually angry song have you written since the Joshua Tree album? Because everything since then is like, it's a beautiful day! Or, uh, like, love Me, th- Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me from the Batman soundtrack. The Batman Forever. What Return. is that angry about? I don't know. It's not an outlet for any sort of anger. It, but in, uh, uh, they, they actually do have uh, on their new album some sort of angry songs. And I know that they're angry because they have black rappers... Uh, doing the intros to the songs, Ew. which is so fucking weird. So, but uh, like th- the album that I love of U2 because it's the first live concert I ever saw is their pop album, which was an album they did in '95. That's an electronica album, and all their fans hated it. And they put on the most expensive tour of all time. They lost money on it every single day and it's my first tour I saw in concert I, I went with my dad and like a drunk girl stood on a chair next to us and kept falling on me and like my dad was like that's why you don't drink alcohol uh, but like the U, the U2 band hates that album so much that on all their greatest hit stuff now all the songs that they use from that album are like their original acoustic demos from that album getting rid of all the stuff and it's, it's insane because it's a great album but the last track on that album is called Wake Up Dead Man, and for a Christian band, it is a direct letter uh, to Jesus asking where the fuck he is, and they actually say the word fuck a couple of times for the only time in the entire YouTube discography. It is actually their angriest song. Uh, I'm just like, yeah, okay, so in 1995 you did Wake Up Dead Man where you said fuck to Jesus. Where's that? If 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 you're def- if you're defending that like you have some anger that needs to get out and some of it is based in religion and people actually need this, d- play that song in concert ever. They've never right. done it, not once. Do right. it now. <laughs> yeah. Say say your fuck word to Jesus to prove to me how much you are upset with what's happening. And that is sort of the same thing that that you were talking about and that you occasionally catch in these these bands that were raised Christian. <laughs> that aren't doing Christian albums, but they do have the song every once in a while that's like, if God is real, wherefore art thou? Because everything here is shit right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like you, like you were saying, that whole YouTube thing makes me so angry because like, the YouTube that I know is the YouTube that one, showed up on a Batman soundtrack, and two was exclusively played in <laughs> Apple commercials for, like, six years. And it was, like, if I had to hear Uno Dos Trace Catorce one more time, I was oh, going to... my God. Break, I was going to break Bono's glasses off in his reference? face. How does that even live inside of you? That, that, that commercial came on, like, I couldn't tell you how many times of just, like... Everyone against a, a colorful background, at, but they're in they're they're all cast in black, and a man in his fifties named the Edge plays guitar. I, I believe it's last week tonight that like did the bit that they were like, "Hey, if you can't deal with uh, trans people and pronouns, remember that this guy just woke up one day and said, call me the Edge,' and no one ever raised a question about it ever again. <laughs> Not Edge." He couldn't just be Edge. He's the Edge. He's the Edge. He's... 
he's a man that's in the softest band to ever, the softest rock band to ever exist. He's just like, no, what? I'm the Edge. He's just like, what Edge are you? Like the Edge that you cut off uh, the crust off bread? Like, is that what you are? <laughs> and, I, and I feel like I've mentioned it before, but they were they're an incredibly religious band, and uh, their drummer is an atheist. And they basically had a band meeting in the '80s. It was like do we call ourselves a Christian rock band? And he was like, nope. And they were like, that was the veto vote. So, like, yeah. they they are that. And so every time this sort of circles back in that way, like, that's it's one of those reasons I'm like, that guy definitely signed on for that song. He's like, you know what? If you're going to talk to Jesus directly, you should you should do and cuss. One and cuss at right. him. And that'll be okay by me. Like, uh, and, and thank God he did because they, yeah... It's, and this isn't, we aren't that far from the album we're talking about here because this does feel like there, there is, there is always a feeling inside of me because I got raised with you two and watching their arc and stuff. Mm-hmm. I get to see bands that you're like, hey, you know what? With another $10,000 of production on that album and some strings, they're you two. They're also you two. Like right. they don't, they don't have the, the socio-political like background, which I don't know. <laughs> If you've ever seen the YouTube documentary from around the Absolutely Joshua Tree, uh, so it's about them coming to to America to do their first tour, uh, mm-hmm. and it's fucking cool. Like the first song that they do uh, is uh, a cover of uh, oh oh uh, what is it? Charles Manson based his whole thing on uh, the Beatles. Skelter? Yeah, they cover Helter Skelter and they open with the lines Charles Manson stole this from the Beatles. We're stealing it back, and they just do this shredding fucking cover. And this is like mid '80s, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, that's one of the most baddest things I've ever heard. But they also tour around America, and like, I, I think Chuck Klosterman has a piece he's written about this documentary as well. But they like visit like Elvis's grave, and it is not different than. Uh, than the Spinal Tap documentary where they do basically the same thing where basically they they love black people and black blues music so much that it comes off as racist like they do songs mm-hmm. with like B.B. King and they just spend the whole time being like you're so good and like what you do like no one will ever do it you're gonna die soon and like nothing will ever do this and even B.B. King is like alright this is a little much <laughs> um, so I'm gonna bring up I'm gonna bring up something uh-huh. like this is gonna be a weird weird reference uh, so you've heard the term reverse racism, uh, yes. but the first time I heard the word reverse racism was in the movie The Animal starring uh, Rob Schneider. Uh, Rob Schneider. But that's that the movie, first time you heard the term. Sorry, there's immediately so many questions you. I know. I'm gonna answer a few of them. In that movie, <laughs> reverse racism wasn't being racist against white people or being prejudiced or whatever. The reverse. There was a black guy in that movie who was. He was afraid of white people being too nice to him because he was like it felt sinister. That's what he called reverse racism. Okay, and that's like that's like the thing you were just talking about of right. just like white people being in like this weird or the movie Get Out, which I still need to watch. Um, but like the uh, are we doing that tonight? Is that what tonight's about? No, nah, I don't. I'm gonna play Kingdom Hearts. I need to. It's, it's the end of the year, Brock. I can't do anything serious. Um, but, uh, like, it's it's this, it's this whole reverent... Like, uh, it's like... I remember seeing... Like, first of all, I hate Ed Sheeran. Like, he's he's a bad... He, an <laughs> let's un, he's let's an start there. He's an uninteresting <laughs> musician. 
and he makes he has like the worst lyrics of anybody modern. Like and, him and, and, and let me throw this out here: uh, Ed Sheeran is selling concert tickets for the football professional football stadium that seats eighty thousand in Kansas City for a year and a half from now. The mm-hmm. tickets are up for twenty nineteen, and I was just like, the fucking balls on you, right? Yeah, he's he's awful. But like, I remember seeing on TV like it was him playing with uh, playing with like um, Stevie Wonder, right? And, like some other stuff, and it's just like, like stop, like stop it, like yeah, you don't, you don't have to do this. Like, what do you? If, like, black people aren't like some magical, like it's the it's the whole magical Negro tr- uh, trope of just being like, like oh, black people, they're so. They're gonna. They do such magical things. It's just like, hey, do you want to do some voting to like, to like help them out? No, no, I'm too Republican for that. I, I, I it's not an overshare. Uh, there was that Jake Gyllenhaal uh, boxing movie like two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, where he was a boxer, uh, and Viv wrote a review of it. And uh, in her comments, it, this is a couple years back. Uh, somebody was like, "Well, you didn't acknowledge the the black Negro, magical Negro." stereotype thing that was happening there and and at that point in time she had not been familiar with it because why would she have ever watched Bagger Vance? Right. <laughs> uh, and it, it was this weird thing. It's like, I love working at a place where I can learn about these things but also like it makes you feel fucking stupid when you aren't aware of some of these tropes and yeah. like because she'd never watched all these boxing movies or all these things like that. Why right. would she have ever run into that trope? And it's right. amazing when you find it in a new place. <laughs> Right. Yes. So yeah, anyone performing with Ed Sheeran uh, is uh, is doing a white face. That's uh... <laughs> uh, like he. You know his whole story, right? He was Who? discovered by Jamie Fox in a coffee shop in England somewhere. Oh Jamie, no, I missed that. Yeah, that, like that, that's why he's all popular because of Jamie Fox. And I'm just like, God, Jamie Fox, can you go be useless somewhere else? Um, go do a sample for a Kanye West song. Let's call it good. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I have a weird, I have a weird version of like the line into like white race being used with black musicians, which is that uh, in in my hometown uh, there is this guy who he got busted. Uh, he 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 lived down in like uh, in Mississippi, and uh, in his twenties he got busted for like heroin, uh, like like so much heroin, like uh, you should go to the electric chair amount of heroin. Yeah. Uh, and the judge ordered him to move to Salina, Kansas, my hometown, because he could not possibly get heroin there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he started a recording studio there. Uh, he bought an old blues church, which already, that's what we... <laughs> uh, and he uh, started a blues festival there and a recording studio, uh, and now he is one of the biggest sellers of, of vinyl music on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, when I was in high school, like, he would because they had this cool studio and a lot of these blues musicians in the Midwest that were about to die and this was the last chance for them to record something, he would have these people come in and the guy that he hired to come produce all these things and record them was Eddie Kramer. And Eddie Kramer was the studio engineer for all the Led Zeppelin albums and all the Jimi Hendrix albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like this, like so my like summer internship was like hanging out with this guy and like asking about all this stuff. Uh, and I, in between getting to hear stories about how hard it was to get Led Zeppelin to stop fucking groupies and record an album, uh, he was also like developing the sounds of all these uh, blues musicians that were, again, 
like dudes that had hundred year careers and were about to die. Uh, and so he was doing this thing that was like, I know what will sell or what will sell in the memories of, of these black musicians. So he's had this weird playbook of things where he's like, try to get them to write a song about their hometown mm-hmm. and try to get them to write a song about this type of like former relationship. Like, and I was like, oh, this is weird. He has this weird like checklist, this weird bingo of song concepts that white people respond to in black music mm-hmm. and, and and it reached its peak because between some of these famous people there was a young up-and-coming uh, uh, black guitarist from my hometown uh, and the very first thing the guy said was like you gotta write a song about Salina and the guy was like the fuck am I supposed to write about Salina and he was like I don't know <laughs> and then watching them try to piece together a song about my hometown that yeah. might mean something to two ostensibly white people that would buy vinyl records of a blues mu- musician was like, oh, this is so weird. There's, there's an actual formula to commercializing this for a white audience that's weird. And so it, it, it ties back into like the U2 thing of like, we are white people actively doing that and cutting the black people out. And then to see that even on the most basic level, there are white people trying to force black musicians to make art that doesn't exist because it should be art for white people that will pay for it. Right. Like there's, there's so many layers down on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole thing that, um, uh, white central uh, centrist liberal sort of uh, uh, views on black people is real weird and uh, real tiring all the time. Which, which is, I think, one of the reasons that Black Part that uh, Block Party has always been one of my favorite bands of all time. Because, like, hey, here's a black gay lead singer, uh, and there's nothing that gives that away, and there's nothing that gives anyone else a foothold in here. If you right. want to be like a if you want to be a straight white person that has a, a line here like, cool, you can really like that he has a song about being in love with somebody that loves books, but you know that that person that loves books isn't your girlfriend, so don't put this on a mixed CD, you asshole. <laughs> right. Um, like, I, th- that's why I've always loved uh, uh, Donald Glover. Like, uh, he's, like, I don't care what anybody says. Like, like uh, it's, I think he's a good rapper. I don't, I don't care. He's my favorite rapper um, because he was, like, like, I don't know, any of the rap that I grew up around in wasn't for me at all. Like, and... I've, I've always, always wanted to ask you about that. Like, you've never talked about rap in any way, but, like, everyone has some rap that they like. What oh, do yeah, you I like? Mean, I mean, uh, uh, Childish Gambino, Run the Jewels, uh, Atmosphere, uh, uh, Shad. Um, I mean, there's um, most Def. I, I really like uh, Busta Rhymes just because he's absurd. Like he's raps like nobody else. He's um, he's an actual cartoon, right? Yeah, he's like uh, Missy Elliott is from here, and she's no amazing. way. Yeah, Missy Elliott's from this area. She even has like a um, she even has uh, her and Pharrell and Timberland and uh, there's a bunch of Onyx. Onyx, who am I thinking of? I can't think of the guy's name, but uh, like a bunch of rappers actually come from this area. Like my um, my um brother-in-law went to school with some rappers from here and um but yeah missy ellis from here she owns a radio station her mom like i know where her mom's house is uh, (laughs) well one of my friends growing up the neighborhood that he lived in like his mom lived her mom lived in the neighborhood beside theirs which theirs was like an upper middle class 
neighborhood, and then beside that was like obviously upper class because there were like huge houses and like mansions, right? Not. Um, but yeah, like I don't like like the the rap that the guys that I went to high school with liked was never appealed to me. Like I never got into like that was like. Like when Fifty Cent was coming up, that was that was like early Kanye West, which like that never spoke to me in any way. Um, oh, okay. But like Donald, like Donald Glover, like started rapping. I don't know, like mid two thousands. Like yeah. when I was getting out of high school, like when I started working at Macy's is when I first uh, when I first heard, and this was before this was before Camp. This was before the EP um, that he had. Uh, that he had dropped. This is like uh, this is a cul-de-sac, uh, which is the first album he did, which right. has like um, a DC Pearsons on it. Um, yes. And uh, um, what's her name? Kate Micucci and uh, yeah, yeah, Ricky Lindholm. Um, Garfunkel notes. They're on the last track. Um, but like, yeah, he was he was my first in to like he was the first the first band or the first rapper I listened to that was just like oh this is for me like I don't I don't care what anybody else like I don't like I don't care about Tupac I don't care about Biggie I don't care about old rappers like that's not for me like it doesn't it doesn't matter like music music isn't the most popular music isn't for everyone and I don't care like what like what like I don't I don't care about like even getting into like uh to like this whole show is about emo but like like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to every emo band. Like I don't care about the most popular ones or the least popular ones or the ones that are just like man they made this genre man. Like I don't I don't. Care. Like, <laughs> you do a good white guy voice. I grew up around a lot of them. Um, yeah, you you can blend in. <laughs> or just like uh, or just like like I listen to a I, well I used to listen to like a lot of metal. But, like, I don't care about... I've, I've, like, I've always wondered, because I know you have this little metal thing that you reach to every once in a while. I'm like, did you have, like, a, just a real hard metal, like, six months? <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it, it, com- it comes and goes, but there's, there's, uh, there was a few years, because my brother is a huge metal head, but, um, like, I don't... When, don't when are we having your brother guest on the show? <laughs> I, I he, he, he feels like he feels like this person that we allude to all of the time as like the origin story here. And we should probably have him on. Um, but yeah, like I mean, don't like you couldn't pay me to listen to Metallica. Like I like I don't want to hear Megadeth. I don't care about Ozzy Osbourne. I don't care about any of that metal that your dad listened to that you try to force on everyone else because this is what real metal sounds like, man. Like I don't care about Slayer. Like, get out of here. Like, this, this, this is the exact same voice you use when talking about people trying to force crass on you. You have, <laughs> you have no interest in people trying to force something on you that you will in no way identify with, but because you should for, like, paying tribute reasons. Yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't need to pay tribute to anybody for anything, for any music. Like, like I don't... Like, I'll have, I've had conversations with people at work of just, like... Like, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's my favorite pop musician... Uh, Absolutely. Like, emotion is like, emotion think, is flawless. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's a perfect album. Like, I don't really say that about a lot, but like that album's amazing. And like, uh, I had a coworker. She was like, she was like, you don't like Taylor Swift, and like, it took everything within me at like seven o'clock in the morning not to just like lay out every single problem I had with Taylor Swift because it's just like she didn't create pop me. Like, I don't. 
I don't give a sh- like Britney Spears. Like I think she's awful. Like she's all. I feel like she's always been awful, and she's the the sort of <laughs> she's the sort of just like oh she was on TV. She was she was part of that group of like NSYNC and and Christina Aguilera, who both I think made good music. I mean, it was like obviously <laughs> NSYNC's music was written by somebody else, but I think they were good performers, like Justin Timberlake and like the guys. They, they oh, it's sing. a f- it, they're flawless albums. All like, listen to no strings attached any day uh, of the week. And that like, rocks. Like NSYNC, like I really like. I wouldn't go back and listen. Like I wouldn't listen to an album of my own volition. But when I hear an NSYNC song, I'm like, this is fun to listen to. But I don't think anything Britney Spears ever like. Britney Spears is the is the sort of uh, like the 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 thesis of white mediocrity of just sure. like like you she doesn't she doesn't really know how to sing and she doesn't really know how to dance but she was a pretty <laughs> white girl so they were just like we can make money off of this and then put she had a, a mental put breakdown a snake on her <laughs> right just, yeah just then she had a, a mental breakdown and everyone's just like oh this is so sad I'm just like stop putting people who can't handle it in a situation that they can't handle <laughs> and that's how I feel about so much of like this, like the bands that got popular. Like I didn't, I I found Manchester Orchestra on my own, right. and it's just like the bands that got popular out of out of the scene of just like this came out in two thousand six. This is like the the rise of scene kids basically, and just like all the shitty bands that came out of there, like Bring Me the Horizon and and Escape mm-hmm. the Fate and and scary kids scaring kids and stuff like that it's just like that that was the stuff that was popular or Silverstein warning to listeners we're going to do a scary kids scaring kids (laughs) album uh, episode soon Uh, or just like bands that came out of there and it's just like it's just like white mediocrity like y'all you didn't you just sound like every other band that came out and you didn't do anything special and you act the same like you're the same guy who who like uh sends inappropriate MySpace messages to uh, girls who might be 15 years old, but you can't tell. I, I love that you, you, you targeted this specific month of, uh, of, of toxic masculinity. <laughs> and, and the thing that is the extension of everything that you're saying, which I think is maybe our, our like cultural like rollback point, uh, it, it could have been the South Park episode where they acknowledge that we just uh, sacrifice a pop uh, musician right. every year for Harvest. Yeah. But it really was Ashley Simpson on SNL when her backing track failed and she couldn't mouth the words anymore and so she just did a jig off stage right and then tried to blame it on exhaustion or something and i was like hey maybe we just don't grab children force them into this role and then try to execute them on a public stage right for not meeting an expectation of a thing in a career that they never should have had right yeah it's it's this it's just, it's crazy it's just like Listen, like, listen to the sad music that you want to listen to. Listen to Manchester Orchestra is like a virgin losing a child. Like, you don't have to. If you're if you're a teenager listening to this, like, do what you want with what you want. Even if you're an adult listening to this, do with do with what you will. Like, you don't have to do with everything. <sighs> we've we've reached the point in the show where where Terrence just drifts away into frustration. <laughs> which is always my favorite part of the show. Uh, this is probably maybe a good place to wrap up and to say, like, hey, is there anything else that you loved in 2017 music-wise? Uh, I found a band... Like, I don't, like the album didn't come out this year. The album actually came out in, like, 2014. But they're, they're uh, this, like, uh, chill wave electronic band, uh, Wave Shaper. 
Um, this like oh, I just band. watched that music video that you shared. Yeah, they're yeah. so cool. Like I like I just put on a there's this uh, solo artist home. Uh, I just put on like uh, his uh, radio station on Google Music, and that song came up, and I was just like, oh man, uh, like it's like this John Carpenter esque like. Uh, uh, just like a, I don't know, it's like it sounds like it belongs in like a video game or a movie about the eighties. Like it doesn't, it's not from the eighties. It's about the eighties, and it's really good. And um, actually, yeah, just listen to their stuff. I I don't really know what came out this year. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel Ray like Jepsen, I, did, I, I did a real shit job at this. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen released uh, "Cut to the Feeling." Did when did Joel's three come out this year or last year? This year. Uh, Run the Jewels three was uh, really good. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's the new things that I listened to this year. Well, my favorite album of the year wound up being uh, White Supremacist, so I have to back out on this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, most most of my favorite music of the year was video game soundtrack stuff like Flint Hook, mm-hmm. which. Uh, upsettingly, they said that they were doing a vinyl of, and now no one involved will respond to my questions about where that vinyl is, <laughs> which makes me think it's lost in some sort of legal loophole. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I, this show has made me find a bunch of bands and albums that I was like, okay, this is my shit now. Because, yeah. like, you know what? Foxy Shazam is my 2017 album. Their, <laughs> their, their first album. <laughs> that came out, yeah. Uh, that I don't even think you could buy anymore. Um but yeah. Oh, uh, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Sonic Mania soundtrack this year is really good. Oh yeah, we got to share in that one. That was really uh, good. Yeah, that's that's really good. There's been a lot of good music. The Persona Five soundtrack is amazing. Uh, like even <laughs> apropos of not listening, like not playing the game, uh, you should check out. It's a three disc soundtrack. But uh, so it's, so a, a thing I did drive Viv insane was that we uh, she plays Stardew Valley and we listen to our political podcast like Pod Save the World and <laughs> Love or Leave it and stuff. And uh, a few weeks ago, uh, she put on Stardew Valley, and I put on a record to listen to, and what I put on was the vinyl soundtrack for Stardew Valley. <laughs> and and her complaint was not that I'd put on the Stardew Valley soundtrack, but I was uh, doing the wrong season of the year. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm, I'm off on I'm this so, one. I'm so sorry. Um... <laughs> it's fall. I went spring. I really fucked this up for all of us. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that. Like, I, I mean, there's some... I watched a few animes uh, this year that had some good songs. Uh, Mob Psycho 100's OP is really good. Uh, Don't You Know Who I Am? Or, um, uh, shit, what is it called? Um, fuck, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to keep saying this so I don't have to cut it out. Um, uh, hold on, haven't hold you on. heard I'm Sakamoto, which is a really good show. It's on like 12 episodes, um, and that's really good, and it has a really cool theme song. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the music I enjoyed this year. Uh, I, I, weirdly, uh, I did an anime by accident this year, and I have the soundtrack. It's the Castlevania Netflix show. <coughs> I never watched that. I mean, I'm dying. Uh, <laughs> I, I physically hurt you with that one. I, know, I was like, I was trying to speak, and then, like, just like saliva came up, and it was just like, ah. I need to watch that. I it's 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 actually year. great because it was it was a script for a direct to DVD movie, mm-hmm. and they made it into it's it's only like four episodes of like twenty minutes each, so it is just that, and it ends just out of fucking nowhere. But I know enough about anime to know that that's fine now. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we me and Viv watched it. Like 
the opening sequence of it is just this uh, lady scientist approaching Dracula mm-hmm. and being like, I want to learn from you about your dark magic. And he's like, I'm actually a scientist. And she's like, I like science. And he's like, I like science. And if it was in a live action film this year, it would have, the opening sequence by itself would have won like an award. Like, <laughs> I, it's, it's the sort of thing that I was like, I was like, hey, Viv, do you want to try this with me? And we watched that thing. I was like, oh, shit, what is this? Like, Warren Ellis can still write like a <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, it's so good. And then, like, it never again returns to that central thesis. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, because Dracula is just like, yeah, you and me, lady, let's do science. And then she immediately gets burned for being a witch. And then it's all about taking revenge on, on the Catholic Church. Uh which nothing's ever set me up to like care that much about a character in an anime. So I was like, right. here we go. Uh, but uh, I was like, this is great, and the and the music is great, and obviously they're going to do an actual show off of it now. But right. uh, that yeah, like- yeah, I feel like most of my stuff this year was like soundtrack based, and I was like, this is uh, good. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, I'm going to need you to watch more anime. You should definitely go watch Mob Psycho 100 like right now. Like, Sorry, I, I have Mob Psycho, and then the big bad. Pee-wee's Big Bad Adventure, is that what you're saying? JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, okay. Like, I need you, I need you to watch this show. Okay, I promise to actually do it. There is a, there is a man in the show, he's in seasons, he's in seasons one and two, and his name is Robert EO Speedwagon. <laughs> well, I'm gonna get Crunky Wagon, and then I'll watch it, so... If you get VRV, you can also watch a whole bunch of other stuff. VRV is like, it's owned by Crunchyroll, but there's like a bunch of other channels and stuff you get with it, so it's not just Crunchyroll, but uh, it's only like $3 more, so you should do that. You should get that one instead. Um, <laughs> so that's the end of the show. Uh, Brock, you have anything else? Uh, yeah, listen to Missouri Loves Company. Uh please hire Terrence for things and also get his cookies I got his cookies and squirrels stole them from me <laughs> except for one I did get there was one cookie left with a squirrel bite out of it and I did eat it so I know how good that cookie is the rest are about to go to my neighbors uh, in fact Viv might break her being gluten free thing to have a bite of your cookie uh, we uh, care that much about your cookies we will uh, make ourselves sick with them <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, rate and review the show on iTunes, helps with visibility, all that good stuff. Tell your friends about it, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, that's it. Follow Coolest Also, Kid just Pod. get in touch and tell Terrence that he's a good boy. Like, Terrence needs some love. <laughs> uh, follow Coolest Kids Pod, follow Brock, at yeah, Brock Weber, follow me, at Brock Nerd. Uh, that's it. And for the sign-off, we are the Coolest Kids. Thank you, guys. Bye. <laughs>